What's up guys, welcome to today's money. Thank you for listening, I appreciate you being here. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, there's a link for that in the description. And if you wanna jump right into the podcast, skip the next 30 seconds of ad space. What's going on guys, welcome back to the channel. I appreciate you being here. We have a very awesome conversation today. Aaron is a good friend of mine who we've been growing this digital relationship as you know, with COVID plus us being thousands of miles away from each other, you know, it's not that easy to meet up as you know, much as it was a couple of years ago. However, our relationship has grown. We've been able to really connect a lot of people via Instagram, your content, my content, are both very unique in their respective industries. So I think my audience today will be able to pull a lot of value just from hearing your story, hearing how you got into investing and really where you plan to take it. Because I think as much as we all love to hear about your successes and my successes and all of our successes, it doesn't matter. What matters is how we're gonna make an impact going forward. And that's really what I was like trying to get at today with you for the audience, like I said, here on YouTube and Spotify, wherever everybody's watching and listening. And I really appreciate you guys being here. So make sure you subscribe, give us a thumbs up, drop a comment, say what's up to Aaron. But before we get into all the future planning, Aaron, could you give everybody like a 30,000 foot view of who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Austin. Awesome intro. So yeah, the overview is very much uh, working background. So normal background, nothing special, no special education, nothing, nothing to get excited about in the background, just a normal guy, normal guy with a vision and a, a big drive. I love it. But, you know, coming from a normal background, parents, uh, really hard workers, even to this day, myself, normal uh, working background. And a long time ago, you know, sort of coming up, I suppose, really the eight years, uh, ago now, I was given an opportunity uh, from an old business partner uh, who was a friend and whatnot, given the opportunity to go into a new area of what I hadn't done before, which is through property, which is not the easiest to get into. No, definitely not. UK or uh, over in America where you guys are. So, definitely you know, not. either way, it's a hard model. However, when you get exposed to the I suppose the, the pros of what property could bring you, you get very interested And in being someone who's very hands-on. I went on this rampage of education, uh, which I'm still on today, you know, and it's all self-education. That is important. That is so important. And even being like on it today, I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in that. So I love that. I love that. You said <laughs> yeah, that. absolutely. You know, and you do, I think you either go all in, you're obsessed or, right. Dude, I agree so much. I think you never can really become truly successful. You might make some money, but I don't think you can become truly successful if you don't love it and go all in. You got to be passionate yeah. about it. You got to find that yeah. passion too, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and behind that, there's a big reason why. So anyway, so really it just fell into the property. Um, I went about learning everything about it. I moved into a more development side where I was involved in certain projects. I was exposed to different ways of making uh, income. And, you know, I didn't have a lot of money at, at the time myself, but very quickly through, I suppose, being exposed to the right people early on through the partner that I, I was working with, I got to see, I almost went through a fast track period compared to other people where because they of the had mentor to go that you had. Yeah, very much the person I was working with, you know, it, it really does play a part when you're with someone who's doing it, it elevates you really quick instead 100%. of starting out new. Yeah. With someone who's new with you. It takes, Did you have you to know, work both... for free under the mentor or like were you just, what kind of relationship was that? It was, yeah. So a lot of it was not earned. Um, there was pretty much the 95% of it. There was no financial um, handover at all. But you were getting was, experience. It is experience, you know, and I had right. an income anyway at the time. So it was experience. And 
even from an early age, I suppose from watching my parents, I knew nothing happens quickly. So, and it wasn't. Well, nothing good happens quickly. Bad things can happen quickly. Nothing good comes quickly. Exactly. And I think, you know, one of the other benefits, I wasn't in a period where social media was at its peak like we are like, now. I mean, so eight I, years ago, bro, eight years ago, social media was not even really popping. Like Twitter was just a thing. Facebook was a thing. Instagram might not have even been around eight years ago. I don't, I don't I, I think it maybe had like its first logo. Just started. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember so, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I didn't have this pressure that people have now today thinking, and it's funny because after this, I'm doing a new YouTube video actually on being a 21st century entrepreneur. And I think it's, it's a minefield, right? So, but anyway, getting back on track is that I was exposed to a lot. I learned a lot very quickly. And then naturally going in property, if you don't have money of your own, you have to raise it. Yes. So I was put at certain presentations and I had to go to certain boardroom meetings in central London where we had to raise capital. And I realized very quickly, I like this, you know, I like numbers. I'm rubbish at maths. I never did well at maths. I, I even, my maths teacher actually said to me, just don't bother coming because it was such a nightmare at school. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, An English teacher, they were just like Aaron. You, you know, like the in- numbers, I feel like when you, when you say you like the numbers, do you mean like you like the idea of discussing invest this much money, our return is going to be this much, our expenses are going to be here. You like the actual like financial I like the spreadsheets. I like, yeah. yeah. Like putting it on a pa- piece of paper. So yes, yeah, so I realized everyday math, like real life math, not like algebra real with life letters. Math. Right, like right, right. I'm the same way. I sucked at math too. Yeah. You know, 2020, we're still not teaching money in school. It's it's, it's crazy. It's nuts. But we're absolutely right. nuts. It it is nuts. When when you said that like you had to work for this guy for free and you were cutting through the experience, what was like the hardest part of that? Because you said you had another income. So what was the hardest part of working for free? Because I think a lot of people will not swallow their pride and just say, you know what? I need to get experience in whatever field it is. I'm not working for free. You know, a lot of people won't do that. They will almost take a job in another field, I feel like, and get paid rather than work for free in the field that they're most passionate about for a short period of time, just to learn the skills to then go do it themselves. Don't you agree? I totally agree. I mean, there was was the toughest part. The toughest part is when I started doing more, I started to take on a heavy load uh, and it started to become meaning almost, like you were taking on responsibility for getting I was take, going and meeting with the yeah. investors and making them happy. I was taking on a lot more and nothing as a reward. And right. that was very much the tough situation point where tough. I thought, actually, I've got a lot to give here. And, and really from, from several meetings that I realized that big numbers speaking with private banks and private lenders, I realized that numbers are just numbers. So from talking from a hundred thousand to talking 6 million pounds, um, there's nothing in between. It's just numbers uh, and, and it's fairly easy to raise it. Well, it's not easy, but it's once you figure out who and where you need to be. Then um, you can go get just, the money. Yeah, and, and that sparks me off on the whole, actually, I don't know whether property and development is my main core uh, focus and my excitement. I like really? the numbers in investing. Mm. And that led me on the journey of learning about business, sales, uh, investments, finding the people that... Uh, more armchair investors how do they become an what is an armchair investor an armchair investor is passive so you know they'll just lend out money and cut a check like venture capital kind of same thing yeah 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 so yeah like venture yeah angel for a startup company yeah yeah yeah. yeah. um 
you know, nothing that's hands-on, you know, I don't, I don't have the time to be hands-on. So I liked the way that these guys could sit there, talk numbers and, and ultimately see a really good return at the end of it. And they haven't got to lift a finger. <laughs> I ask you when you say, because people are going to be listening, they're going to say, what's a really good return? What are these guys looking for? The guys that are cutting your checks? Uh, depends on the risk. Depends. I was what just going to say, depends on what you're investing, depends on the risk. So when we talk, let's just talk about the real estate plays. What were guys looking for on returns there? 7%? Uh, you, yeah, I mean, realistically, with a with a low to medium risk, uh, you'll you'll see one percent a month over a year, so twelve percent. If you want to play it safer, you're looking at between the seven to eight percent a year. In a year, if you want to, yeah, if you want to go really ridiculous, um, and I did do this, uh, I earned a good return for the first three years, and then lost my entire capital and interest on the second investment term that I did was uh, I was earning about 33 to 36% a year. Wow. High risk, high return, high no, risk, no, high reward. No security, but, uh, but right. I didn't, I didn't wallow in it because it's my choice. I was a, you know, I'm an adult. I made my own decision, but um, right. I lost, lost it all. What was the um, biggest learning experience from that? Uh, Cause I feel like that is hard to come back from when you lose that much money just psychologically, I feel like in, especially in trading, like a lot of guys would lose their account or lose even 50% of their account and then they never make it back. They never can dig it out. How did you bounce back from that, bro? Cause that's like, that's pretty impressive when you think about it. You know, you say you're an average guy, but that's pretty impressive. It was tough. Um, my family also lost money. Uh, they had their own running and oh, I wasn't, so that's always I was, rough. yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the only one who lost out there. There were, there were, I think something in total about 700 investors um, and really? it got into, got into the Peter pays pool system. Um, so it just started becoming like this whole line of money passing to this person. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you see the directors start buying Bentleys, um, the Rolexes, you know, it's, it's, so, so it, there, were, there were telltale signs and the lesson to be learned. And the reason I could get over it and I did move on is, is, is two things. Money always comes back if you're willing to work for it. Yep. Uh, one, I don't get the time back. That's the only thing I won't get back. Yep. But due diligence, I should have researched and anything that is a passive income as a return, this is a rule of thumb now, if anyone was to introduce a new investment model to me and they said, look, I'm earning this a month or I'm earning this a week, I will say, okay, great. I want to see six-month bank statements. If you right. can provide six six months of bank statements because you're claiming it, you should not uh, be turning your nose up at that. You should be saying, absolutely, I have no problem showing you that. If you can, I'll seriously right. look at it. Right. If you hesitate, um, I'll pro thumbs probably up. block you. I'll yeah. probably block you. Yeah, That'll yeah, thumbs it. up. Yeah. Do you find that most people fit in that bucket more? Like there's more people out there talking to talk more than they're actually willing to cut a check? Is that the stereotype correct? Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many ways of earning commissions and sales that people want to suck you in because, you know, even like a property sourcer, I don't know what you call them over in America, but someone who sources property. Mm -hmm. um, like a real estate agent? Uh, yeah, the off-market stuff. So those who mm -hmm. go out and- For do investments. Sourcing. Got it, got it. Yeah. And you, you pay them a fee for all the work they provide. I think they would just call themselves a real estate investor here. That would be maybe right. their title. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of property sources over here, if they're not legitimate, you know, they want the fee. So are they really bringing you a good deal or do they just want the 3,000 pounds? Right, do they just bring you the first deal that they found? Right, right, right. Off of, you know, we have something called Rightmove over here. I don't know if you've heard of it. Something called the, is that like a listing service where you have all your, yeah. 
Yeah, with yeah. the MLS, same same kind of yeah. thing. But there's a lot of people that'll say, I can get you off MLS, off market, and they'll get you those deals. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you same kind of thing. You just, yeah, you just and, found it. And then those guys, they can charge their own fee is what you're saying, and that's where they can run it up. The, the average, they'll charge everywhere, anywhere from about 1,800 to about 3,500 pounds per property. Interesting, interesting. So, you know, that's gross, but, right, right. you know, are they thinking about you as the investor making sure you get a great deal or are they just thinking ka-ching, you know? So I like to do my own work. I, I'm very much an eagle flies alone, you know, and I'm very much that eagle. Um, yes, I could build a team. Yes, I could build a, uh, you know, you know, something around me. But to be honest with you, I, I rely on myself and I trust Why myself. Why is that? Is that from previous experience that you've been burned so many times and with working with other people, you're just like, I don't need this. I can just figure this out myself. I think so. Yeah. And, and you know, and I've seen a lot of other mistakes where people partner up. People are so quick to partner up. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people who want to do well, but haven't got the money to invest themselves. Instead of looking for an investor, the first thing they do is they go, I'll just get a business partner and I'll offer them 50, 50. Right. You know, that, that to me is insane because me too. what you're doing, is you're, you're substituting your own ownership, your own work, ownership um, and going, I have a great business idea or I want to do this mm -hmm. and I'm, I have the money. So I'm willing to sacrifice 50% of my creative ideas because I need someone to come on board. They're not really the right person. So I, I like working alone. I, I trust myself and, and I put, I put, the work in. No, I think that that's a good, good perspective on it, especially in a crowded minefield of investing. And I feel like that's related, relatable to trading because as traders, we're off on our own island when, when it's really at the end of the day, it's just me and my money at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So yeah. we can work as a team. We can have our group chats. We can share our ideas on social media. But at the end of the day, I think you and I are similar in this sense. It's like, if I have to put my finger on the line or my blood on the line, I'm going to be the one doing it first and foremost, and probably with nobody else involved because it's me and I'm the one that wants to be responsible for that. I think there's yeah. some, there's like some alpha in people like you and me that that's where that comes out. You know, whether that's ego or not, I think it can create power if it's used in the right perspective. It can also, I think yeah. there's positives to working with other people too. You know what I mean? For the situation that you're talking about where these people are taking 50% of their business and offering it to someone else, they might be getting capital that they need to pay off debt or something like that. So it might be a win-win in that type of situation. But I feel like, at least with me, with the partnerships that I've formed with our business, like so you, Riley is half of the owner. We are 50-50 in everything. She owns half of all of our businesses. When we partner with other people, I never offer them ownership. She's my family. You know, she's my future. She is half the business, whether she was on paper or not. So it made sense to legally bring her in. Yeah. These other people, to me, I like working with people that are willing to get paid based on the work that they're doing. I like to partner yeah. with people that don't want to take a flat fee. I want to let's take, let's make this percentage, like, like you like back to the numbers, make this incentivized for you. Yeah, exactly. So like, for example, with our marketing team, some marketing teams, at least here, I don't know how it is in every country, every company is different, but some marketing teams will come in and they'll look to take a big stake of ownership because they know they're going to do majority of the marketing. The team that we're working with did not. Some marketing teams come in and look for a big monthly nut, 15,000, 20,000 a month to do your whole thing, 50,000 a month my the guys that we made a deal with did not they worked out a fair percentage based on the work that they're going to do and the sales that they would generate and they would only yeah. be paid they they are only paid if we have a great month if we have a yeah. down month we don't eat if we have a great yeah. month everybody feasts and i think that yeah. that partnership works a lot better at least in the everyday sense rather than 
here's half my business, give me money, and now let's see if we can work together. That doesn't make as much sense to me, you know? I totally agree. And, you know, one thing that I've, I have learned from lessons that, you know, perhaps, you know, where things didn't go the way that I wanted them to, what I have found with anything that's financially partnered or business is people become greedy. Now, you could be in partnership with your best friend. Of course. When, when people see numbers, I don't they care who greedy. you are, it, yep. the greed can take yep. over. And, you know, you can become rich once and that'll be the last time. Yep. So, you know, I have learned from that way. And, and therefore, when financial transactions are in place, I have no one to blame apart from myself. And I have, you know, because it's very quick. If something goes wrong financially and you're in a partnership and you didn't really feel that it was you, you'd probably look to blame like you blame your spouse. Like, you know, if an argument goes wrong, you know, first thing like I do the other person. Like, You're, we're very, very, very slow to take responsibility and blame ourselves. I did that last weekend, bro. We had a webinar and I had a thousand people signed up and I really thought it was going to go well. Like I really thought I was going to get a hundred signups right there. Dude, I got off the webinar and I didn't have any purchases. I was like, what? We've never had that happen. Never had a webinar where at the end, when I do my offer, never had a zero donut. And I was like, this is, there's something wrong. What's lagging? Where's the Wi-Fi? What's going on? No, bro. It was, a, it was a donut. Instantly, I turned to the marketing team and I was a little bit more, I, I said to them that I take responsibility, but you can tell in the way that I wrote the message that I was trying to blame somebody else. And then it took me an hour, maybe two or three, and I calmed down and I'm like, no, there is no, no matter what, whether I, they could have done a better job on the emails or they could have spent more money on this ad that was doing better. Yeah. No matter what, I'm the one that delivered the presentation. Yeah, I'm the one exactly. that came up with the idea. I'm the one that's the owner. I'm taking responsibility. So I think yeah. even for me, like I have to check myself sometimes because I don't take responsibility first. I get angry. I get emotional, you know, and it's hard to wheel that in. And I think yeah. that, that that part of it is, is it goes hand in hand with you said like the greed. Like people are yeah. going to get greedy, especially when money's involved. But I think if you find the right partner, I've seen it work. Now, I haven't seen a lot of partnerships work, but I have seen it work for some yeah. people, it's the right partner, you know? What do yeah. you look for in the ideal investor? Like when you go to invest with, like to, to find clients that will either give you money for real estate or wherever else you're looking to park the money, which I wanna get into in a second. What are you looking for in the ideal person? Of course, the bank statements, but what else? So I have, I have a really detailed checklist. Um, I will- and You bend them over, put on the rubber glove, spread them. And and then we just we, we feel around to make sure everything's good. And if it's good, <laughs> we go ahead. <laughs> but look, there is you know there is a checklist, and this is something that I actually get asked a lot. And you know, I post some of them, and I post not. But you have to have your own checklist, and everything has to be legally done. You know, you can't do this over a handshake like you could no. in the nineteen twenties, thirties. You know, right, right, right. It has to be in a contract. But what I look for is, I, I right, okay. So here we go. I won't use retail investors anymore because no. retail, a retail investor is your, your, your every Tom, Dick and Harry who walks down the road. I won't use them because they get caught up in emotions of wanting a return and they might, they might nod to you and say, this is not all my savings, but actually it is everything that they have because they're hoping that this is going to pay off. So I start backwards. I work with a high net worth. So they have to be, uh, they have to be in a position to invest. Right. Do you so have I a need name to figure for that? Out. We call it here accredited investors where they have a certain, like it's a certain threshold they meet. And that's you, why they're considered accredited. We call them dragon investors, but we, 
Angel the Dragon over here is more for startup companies. Okay. Uh, when it's property and it's more passive and it's armchair, we call them either sophisticated or a mm. high net worth. Um, you got you UK people. You always with the fancy words. We call them accredited. <laughs> you got them sophisticated. The same same thing. So so you yeah. go after these people that have high net worth. They're willing yeah. to take risk. They're not looking for an instant return. Do you have a, like a lockup period where you tell people like you can't have your money back in X? Or is that different depending on the absolutely? Outcome? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It has, and this is the, the the hard work is done in the beginning. So let me use you, Austin. Sure. So let's just say you're a high net worth. I'd say I'd, I'd put all this in an email, or we'd do this, uh, you know, over a phone call. We'd be you'd be writing all of it down. But I'd be saying to you, look, let's start backwards. You come to me, you want to invest. Well, look, this is realistic. You're you're a you're a seasoned investor that knows things don't happen overnight. And you say, look, I have this portion of money. And what I'll say to you is I'll say, right, okay, what amount are you looking to invest? And you say to me, Aaron, I've got 100K. I'd say, okay, if you want to work with me, let's start with 50. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. Let's start with 50. I know that's Dude, not what wait, you Wait, hold on. So when I tell people to start their trading accounts, I tell them how much money are you going to start with? 50? Okay, start with 25. Because you can yeah. add it in. You can't make it back as easily, you know? Same Show thing. credibility as well. So that's what yes. I'll do. I'll say, okay, Austin, we're going to start with 50,000. Right, okay. What we can offer you is a realistic return. And then I'd say the returns what you can have. I said, however, you're not going to see this overnight. This is going to be a 24 month period minimum. You know, you are going to be fixed for that. So I need you, Austin, to go away today. Think about the amount you've said, you've said you can do hundred. I want you to consider 50. And I want you to consider that this is the money that I want you to imagine that you lose it. You're not going to lose it. And we're going to do everything to make sure these returns are good. And this is the proof. And this is, you know, we're going to get into all that, but I want you to imagine that you are going to lose it. Can you survive? And you need to feel comfortable. That's the same perspective I tell people with trading. You trade with money that you can afford to lose. You cannot put rent money at risk. Yep, same thing. Yeah, start backwards. Um, yep. Once we get to that, it makes them go away and think. And then what I do is I say, look, you're going to need to sign off as a high net worth. So I need to know that you are comfortable with this amount. They'll sign off my own checklist and then I'll send them through anti-money laundering checklists. I check them out. We, you know, we check their passport. We run checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we, and we do all that. So it's all formal paperwork. So they'll, it, let's say you did lose your money at the end of it. You've gone through everything yourself as a full grown adult and you've signed everything to say that I am willing to risk because I want the reward. I can't be doing with retail investors going, I didn't get my money. And right, right. Um, right. I, can't, I can't be doing with that. So it has to be all above board. All right. So I got questions. Ready? Tell me if you can answer these. What's the largest initial investment you've seen someone make? Uh, from a fund or an individual from a fund okay from a fund into a single project is around about two two and a half million of their own money um if a private bank well above seven million um because there's a difference between over here a private bank a family office um and an angel investor syndicate so they're all a private things. bank i've never I don't know what, what that would be here. So we've got our high street banks. You know, we have our Barclays, we have our Lloyds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're backed by the government or whatever, right? Yeah. So they're your okay. government high street banks. Then you'll have private banks, big corporations that are made up of possibly the lending of institutional investors, you know, like got the Rothschilds, who, who basically fund a lot of these big banks. Yes. They're more competitive. Down from that, you might have an angel syndicate, which will be made up of three or four very wealthy, ultra high net worths that basically go and say look we have I'll a lot of money and we want to right right I and then they'll you. lend it out or so it's like a big one. bank then you have the smaller private bank then you got these smaller guys i understand what you're saying okay yeah. so when 
when you do these now, my other question was, what is the, when I think, when I think of like the retail guy wanting his money back and what, and like freaking out about two months of negative returns or something like that. What's like, can you think of like an awkward or tough situation that you've been in before that you can share with us like a story that was funny or anything that's noteworthy, any awkward conversations uh, that have been like, bro, why did you lie to me yeah. saying you had a hundred K in the bank and you're a hundred K in debt? <laughs> something so like that. I had one retail, I had one retail investor, which was just a nightmare. And this is why this is not only the only reason there's many reasons, but, where we went through all the formalities okay mm -hmm. so this is before i chose not to work with retail investors i, I figured some, that <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there are some wealthy retail investors sure I just choose sure sure um so we went through all the formalities we did the normal checklist um they were happy they signed off and everything they were probably mid 40s um you know family normal person mm -hmm. to then be committed and invested and to see one report of the property market uh, forecasting that the UK is going to see an all-time low of the property market or what the hell is going on with Brexit, you know, with the whole thing with Brexit. Right. To then get a phone call and say, I need my money out now. You never told me that um, it, was, it was this and you never told me that it was two years and that I wouldn't be able to touch it. Where yet we went through every formality and I had every bit of paperwork and I kept every email and all the documents, the legal documents. And then they not, not only signed once, not twice, not three times, they signed four times. And still and wanted then, to say that it was your fault for not telling them something. Yeah, no, it's your no fault leg. for signing and not reading. Like that's yeah, who's they fault They had no is. leg to stand on. And what I do is I put together a very compact document showing everything that they've done, every email that was sent, every confirmation right. they had. Right. Um, and I never heard back from them. But on this one occasion, we actually had to go through and draw down their money again, which has never happened before, and actually give it back just to get rid of them. Really? Yeah. But I, I feel like at that point, in, they're in like in every industry, there's always people that you reach a point of success, you reach a point of your business where you're like, you know what? Not every client is for me. I'm actually going to fire clients, even if it costs me money. I have guys that want to buy the course for me, and I can tell they're going to be a headache. It just doesn't work. I, I direct them somewhere else. I think that, like you said back before, it almost comes off more genuine when you do it that way, when you're looking out for the both yeah. parties, not just for yourself, but you're looking out for the, like, no, I'm not going to work with retail investors anymore because it's more of a headache for me. I know I'm not as motivated. I'm going to go after the big fish, even if it's harder. And that can motivate you even more. And I feel like that's a good decision that you made. It's, so now- it's yeah, of course. With everything that you're doing now, have you gotten out of real estate? Are you investing in other things like businesses you were saying and stuff like that now? So at the moment, um, I, my, my main focus is not in property. At the moment, I'm very much passive investing. So um, on the 9th of October, we make another investment um, to another property development. So we're not involved actively, but just we'll lend. we're just going to lend. Um, so, you know, we were considering of buying uh, rental properties next year, but to be honest with you, with this whole COVID situation, um, I know that, yeah, it is. And I know that a lot of landlords at the moment, what they've done is the ones who have the big portfolios this year, they've gone, some have sold and lost, but some of them are holding out. And at the end of this year, when that bit of light, when we were getting back to normality and now we've, we're now we're on another kind of eased lockdown is they're holding out for 2020. They were just like, please, please God, let 2021 be the year that I make some money back. And I think depending on what happens going into the new year, you'll get some landlords that will go, bugger this, I'm old, I don't have any children, I was hanging out hoping that 2021, bugger this, I'm selling the lot. 
and you'll get really good discounts. If that is the case, we'll probably look at rental property next year. Because right, um, you'll get a better price, right? Mm, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. You got to think too, once the lockdowns do stop, people will start renting again pretty quickly. Like it could pop almost, so to speak. You know what I mean? Because people yeah. are stir crazy. You know, they, I'm, yeah. I'm stir crazy. I'm ready to go out. Give me an option to go somewhere and I'm going. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Now, so as you've been doing this passive investing, what are some of the, the headaches or the drawdowns that you've been dealing with here? Or are there none? Is this now a privileged point that you're in? And one other question I had too, actually, before we get to that one, not to go all over the place. I'm just curious, with the money that you have, do you trust one of these high street banks to hold all of your investors' money? And then when you cut these checks, you cut it from that account? How did you decide that bank? Like, what's the process there? Because you know me, bro. I'm skeptical. How do I trust Wells Fargo? Um, How do I trust, right? Yeah. Well, I'm lucky in that sense. To answer that question, uh, the yeah. money never actually touches a high street bank. Um, nice. It, it, so it's with it, a private does, bank? It, no, well, a bit of both, to be honest with you, because what happens normally, depending on what company or client it goes into it will normally go straight to use of what the funds are doing so you know if it's going to if a new client of mine says aaron i have x amount i want it to go into property development the likelihood is it will just make a little pass by and it will go straight into the works that need doing Got it. and then um, you take fees off this this is where you you and your family make your money is you take fees off the investments correct and you if you make money you share return like a typical like hedge fund like management fee and percentage of returns yeah, that how you structure yeah, it all, yeah so it all depends on what client i will charge depending on what client it is i charge different rates so depending on how much work i've done what i've done you know um i'll look at building myself in in amongst this it really depends on the work you know if if i'm working for a family office and i'm i'm doing a lot of legwork and appraisals or i'm going to view um industrial estates or i'm going to go view a freehold building or something like that you know, I work out the work that I'm doing, you know. I, I, if it I takes more work, you're going to charge more money. That Absolutely. Makes sense. What's yeah, your yeah, minimum for retail investors? I'm curious. Retail. Um, like for me, if I said, Aaron, I got some bread. Because I do. So Aaron, yeah. I got some bread. What would be like, what would, what process and what would be a minimum for somebody like me? 100K, 200, depends 300? What, again, it all depends on what you were doing. If you just said to me, Aaron, look, I just want to be passive. I've got a little pot on the side. Yeah. I want to invest it, you know, really, I don't deal anything that's less than 18 months because it's, you know, it's hard. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it's hard. So are you doing uh, anything in stock market or would you put any of it into the stocks or no? No. So the, the that's good. Is, I don't yeah. want it in the stock market. You know, I want it outside yeah. of the well, stock I, market. No, it's, it's all, it's all physical, tangible things and, you know, things that can be liquidated. So for example, okay, let's just say Austin, you said, look, I've got 50 grand. Mm -hmm. Um, wanna, it's not, that, that part of my money is not what I need. So I actually don't need that. That's going to be my wealth part. That's what I'm going to build on the side. Um, I'm happy for it to go for two years. Um, it would go, you know, we'd push it into big real estate, big mixed commercial. So we're talking a big corporate company that does um, a hundred unit build. It's got residential, it's got mixed schemes. So it's got, you know, big high street companies that will take over the commercial. Then the company that I'll work with will retain you know, the, the, the commercial side of it, they'll put it on a long lease. So they've got long rental. They would have That's bought cool. the land. So there's, a, there's, it's, it's mixed use. And what that does is that diversifies the security because now what happens, let's say there's a drop in the market. Well, they can refinance because they bought it so cheap because they have a lot of contracts with big land banks. Um, 
And what they'll do is they'll just draw down on the commercial because they're now getting a, a, a really good rental and the freehold rent. Um, so they'll still be able to exit those investors. Interesting. And we, people like me and you, we come in on the junior side. So we're not the senior part. So if you have a site, I'll explain this really quickly. If you have a site, yeah. they'll, they'll buy that site. Although the company will still have skin in the game, but they've got so big, they don't put all of their own money in now. That's they're what doing I was going to say. Right, yeah. right, right. I follow you. What they'll do, they'll put little bits in on these sites. Let's yep. say they're running five sites. Then what they'll do is they'll approach a big ultra high net worth, a family office or a private bank, and they'll get that 65 to 70% loan to value for the senior part of the debt to, to pay and spade in the ground, you know, to start it. Me and you, we come in as the junior investor. We come in as that flexible equity where our money could be spread across all four sites. We hold security across all four or five sites. And our money can move a lot quicker um, and it allows them to be more liquid, be flexible um, to purchase new sites. No, that definitely makes sense because then it just depends on where the need is. You're trusting that the property is being developed in a way that the money is being used efficiently. So after yeah. the 18-month period, what do people typically come to you and say? Do you? I'm sure you schedule a meeting with them and you're like, hey, 18 months in, this is where we're at. This is the return I said we were going to get. This is the return we got. Do you then say to them, what do you want to do? You want to take it out? Do you want to leave it in? What, is, what do you tell people at that point? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've just closed off one of our investors who went in just over 130,000. He's come in, he's come back out just over like 160 odd thousand. But they and always that, draw back. They physically see it and then they go back in. Um, you know, what they will receive from these uh, clients that I work with, that the, you know, the big companies that I work with, they provide monthly updates. So to be honest got with it, you, on that, so they're sending stuff out. I haven't really got to. Um, I've really got to do too much active. That's work. good for I, you because that keeps you passive, which is what your goal was, right? With this whole thing, is to stay passive. So that works well. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I probably send an investor's email once every three months just to give my take on how the market's going, and I just right. include, I just include little snippets, links of the market and where I believe it's going, and I put my sure. take on it. Just gives them a bit of reassurance. Um, so, and, yeah. Yeah, with it, with that topic in mind, as we're kind of, I want to wrap things up here in a few minutes. Yeah. What do you? I, I do want to ask you about the Amazon book too, because I want to make sure I'm going to put the link to that in the description and make sure yeah. we get that in people's hands. But before we get into that, future thoughts on the U.S. dollar and future thoughts on this new thing I've heard about the U.K., Canada, New Zealand, and Australia forming an alliance, forming some type of new union with maybe. A very similar currency. I mean, they're trying to make it easy for these people, for citizens to travel within these countries to, to and from each other. Uh, bro, I watched a video about it on YouTube last night. I was like, I'm about to move to one of those countries and get out of the United States. But tell us yeah. your thoughts on like just the dollar, if you can, or the future direction of people that are trying to invest their money and not, and just fight inflation, really. You know what I mean? We're fighting in a, in a negative interest rate environment, especially somewhere in Europe. We're also fighting inflation too, right? Because you guys yeah. are still impacted by the dollar, even though you're all the way across the pond. Yeah, well, our, our, essentially, what happens with the dollar is um, we, we normally happen about three months after what happens with you guys. So we're, really? we are, yeah, we're just the shadow of what America is. Interesting, um, I never knew that. Yeah, we're always, so if you ever look, have a look at the markets in regards to the financial changes and the currency and the value, you know, devaluing, increasing, we're always about three months behind you. Interesting. We always, we always follow you. If you, the trend is we're about three months behind. So, wow, okay. Good to know. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's a lot of history with the US dollar and, you know, the gold standard and everything. How yeah, it yeah, kind of, yeah. You know, I, I don't think it's necessarily with the US dollar because we're going to see it over here. So 
I think where, how far does this go to the devaluing of cash? Like how far will this go is, is the question that I don't know. And I don't really think anyone knows. There's a lot of predictions, a lot of forecasts. Nobody knows, right? That's the truth, no, bro. No one knows. So my honest answer is I just don't know. I know that it's happening. I know that inflation is going up too quick to what wages are not meeting. To the, the cost point of living is going to go up. To the point where we're already seeing early signs of potential um, rioting issues, uh, you know, the poor becoming poorer. That's something that's really happening. Well, that's all it's doing. Inflation makes the divide greater because the people that are being negatively impacted by inflation basically are living paycheck to paycheck. They have not, they don't have a lot of investments, but the people that are invested, dude, did you know that 84% of the stock market in the United States is controlled by like at the top, top, I think it's 1% or 5%. So majority of the stock market is owned by a very small percentage of people. So those are the people that benefit during these periods and then everybody else doesn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So let's, that, that was a great answer. Let's just, as we wrap up here, tell us about the book. What motivated you to write this book and how hard was it to get self-published on Amazon? Because your cover is sick. The, the reviews you've already got on it are really great. I found value in it and I'm not even in the industry. It was just enlightening on the facts that you shared. It's an easy, easy read, especially for me. Like, you know, I got the Kindle right here. So I'm, I got, I read it on the Kindle. It's super easy. Right. So tell us what, what motivated you to do this and what were some of the difficulties in getting that published? I felt that there was nothing out there um, because I went searching for how to find investors myself right. before I ever write exactly my book. What, that's it, man. You know, I'm on, I'm on the front page of now. If you, I'm on, on several pages now, but um, it's really frustrating because uh, we've had probably over 150 purchases and unfortunately not all of the reviews are on there because of the silly system Kindle has. But um, the reason why is because I needed to raise investment. I needed to find investors, uh, you know, to scale, you need investment. So there was nothing, everyone was doing the typical thing. Everyone was going to the standard events. No one is saying, look, you're at the wrong event. Um, you're after funds. Um, sorry, you're actually in a room with new guys, new guys and girls. There's no money here, bro. There's no money here. They're, they're, they're here for the same reason you're here. Everyone's right. looking for money and no and one. And you're all looking at each other. Right? <laughs> yeah, going, nice suit um, right. but, but he has no money so i just went on this journey of finding out and, and i thought you know what i'm gonna put this into a book because i think this is in demand and i think this can help a lot of people and i remember i was going to charge less than what i put it up for 6.99 and my wife said no chance aaron no you, no, you can't no bro. you got to value yourself yeah it's valuable you know you've put a lot so, of time into it um, but, but actually publishing it was brilliant. I enjoyed writing it. Obviously, I write my blog. I enjoy writing. And it was it was simple. And, you know, to put it out there, it was it was great. And I, yeah, I love the cover. Awesome. I love the yeah. cover. And it's a great first step to get your name out there even more than you already do, like you said, with the blog and with social media. So now like this can hopefully, at least for me, when I put my first one out on Amazon, I'm going to hope it rolls into other ones. You know, like, I don't know if you yeah. know, there's a guy, his name is Steve Burns. He's a trader investor. He's written a ton of books on Amazon. And he told me, he's like, the best advice that I could give you to anybody writing a book is make sure you have book number two, three, and four ready to go. So once you get one out, you can roll them out. And he's really dominated Amazon because of that. And like you said, bro, there's nobody in your space writing about that in an easy to read format. The other books that they were like the 900 page books that I have up there, nobody wants to sit down and read that. So you can really yeah. fill this hole, bro. You can really, so you got to be thinking about the next one. Are you already working on the next one? Uh, so yeah, I've got ideas and you know, it's actually around, yeah, it's around multiple things, but I, I will definitely write a new one. And you know, it was so easy. And also, you know, it's another passive income. Um, it will only grow. 
and once all the reviews on there, the algorithm will go insane. Um, you know, it's and it's just hard hitting. It's straight to the point. Everyone that I've spoken to this Reddit, it's just it is what it is. There's no fluff. Do you find that people still like reading, even in today's podcast day and age and digital? Like as long as you make it digital, I feel like it's still doable, right? If, if the information is what they want, if the information will make them money, they'll read it. Yeah, facts, bro. That is facts. I love that. Well, we can end it right there. That's a great way to do it. So listen, for everybody watching, I'm going to put all of Aaron's contact info in the description to the video. Brother, this was a really good video. I'm glad that we got to introduce you to the community. And hopefully everybody loves it enough that we need to do another one and go deeper. Maybe we'll get some questions in the comments and, and we'll go from there. But thank you for the time, bro. I really appreciate it. And for everybody watching and listening, make sure you give Aaron a follow. And we'll see you guys in the next video. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to Today's Money. If you want to check out the video that goes along with this episode, there's a link in the show notes. Now, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss any future episodes. And if there's anything that I can do to help you along your trading journey, please reach out to me. My contact info is in the description as well. Thank you very much, and I'll see you in the next episode.